Welcome to another episode of the Untitled Podcast. Let's discuss Southern Rock. Part 2. Get ready to roll. Because the South's going to do it again. It's Going South Platinum Edition. The 30 biggest Southern Rock classics on two better-than-ever CDs. You can't get this two-CD collection in any store. This isn't just an awesome collection, it's a way of life. Order online at musicspace.com. She said, don't give me no lines and keep your hands to yourself. Where are you going? Going South Platinum Edition. To order, have your credit card ready and call the number on your screen or log on to musicspace.com. Rush delivery available. Do it now. Well, I used to wake the morning for the rooster crow. Searching for soda bottles to get myself some dough. Run them down to the corner, down to the country store. Cash them in and get my money to a man named Curtis Lowe. Nobody was showing up at the KKK rally with hair down to their ass. That is not how it worked. I remember <laughs> even listening to Golden Platinum, and I'm thinking, well, here's an anti-gun song. Yeah.
And then here's a song about Curtis Love. And it was like, these guys didn't sound like gun-toting, racist clansmen, you know, at all. And they, because they weren't. Yeah. But I mean, but that's the perception, you know. Now, totally 180 of what it is. Yep. Totally, you know, like everybody thinks now, Eric Clapton's cocaine is him, you know, talking about the great things about, co- you know, co- he's advocating cocaine. No, listen to the fucking lyrics. He's talking about how brutal cocaine is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it comes back to Ronnie Van Zant was a deep and multifaceted person. Gene Tart, who used to sing for us, um, he had, he said it better than anyone, like as he could at times. Uh, he said, when I used to look at that first couple Leonard Skinner records and I'd see the picture of them, I would look at each one of them and said, I grew up with that guy, I grew up with that guy, I grew up with that guy, and then he said, and I would think, how the hell did Ronnie Van Zant take all these guys that I grew up with and turn them into the big one of the biggest rock and roll bands of all time? How the hell did he pull that off? I brought up Ricky Metlock is because of Blackfoot. I thought that would be a way to segue into talking about them. Again, another band had some great songs if you cherry pick them. Not great albums. Good singer. Most of these bands were an attempt to keep the Leonard Skinner thing going because it ended so quickly and people still loved it. Right. And that's fine, right? Yeah, that goes on in rock and roll all the time, right? I mean, what are the Black Rose? We're going to give you Sticky Fingers, Stones, the best we can. Because right. they won't do that anymore. Right. Right. right? Yeah. So absolutely. Leonard Skinner can't do that anymore, so we'll do it. Um, well, it's also the record companies scrambling to fill a void. Sure. You know, there's this huge void left, and they're not going to find a, another duplicate, but they'll cram in five other bands that are close. And there were some pretty good bands. Isn't it Ricky Medlock from the Blackfoot Tribe? Him yeah. and somebody else in the band, too, yeah. right? Jimmy had Blackfoot Strikes. You know, I remember that record, and uh, and we listened to that a bunch. 
Then I remember he bought Marauder, and we were very disappointed. <laughs> Mar- Marauder was definitely disappointing. You had to let Fly Away, which was one good tune. And um, and there may have been something else I remember off Marauder that was... And there was. There was one other tune I remember was pretty good, and the rest of it was like, eh. And then they had an album, I think it was called Vertical Smiles. <laughs> I can't remember where Tomcat and placed and all that. Uh, that came after Marauder. <laughs> but that wasn't good at all. I saw them on that tour. Did you? Wow, man. Well, I went I went to see Def Leppard, because Def Leppard was still on the High and Dry album, which is a fucking awesome record. Hell yeah, it is. But Blackfoot was the headliner. So it was Blackfoot at the head of the bill, and then Def Leppard in the middle of the bill, and then the Johnny Van Zant band was the, the opener. Where was this? I saw him at James Madison University in like a gym. No kidding. Yeah, the stage was no more than five feet off the ground. We were like right up there for Def Leppard. And then so after Def Leppard played, I went around to the side where the musicians came in. And Johnny Van Zant and I almost got in a fight. <laughs> you There he is again. This guy. Okay, now who you scry, why are you scrapping with Johnny now? Because I had a Def Leppard t-shirt on. And he told me to get the fuck out of my face with that Def Leppard t-shirt. Ah, he, ah, he hated them. No shit. Yes. Damn, that's funny. Oh, uh, that is hilarious. He would have probably beat the shit out of me. I don't know. You got a lot of experience. <laughs> I haven't fought any Southern Rockers. <laughs> yeah, he I, might have gotten the best of it. I was going to say, I might have gotten a, a country fried ass to him. Where were we? Uh, Blackfoot. We were on Blackfoot. Okay, uh, to me, Blackfoot was, it was all about train, train. Highway song. Highway song was their free bird.
It's a good thing I don't have a job. <laughs> you still haven't found a way to monetize this. I mean, yeah. there's got to be a way. There's it's too be. good not to monetize. <laughs> I mean, hey, somebody out there, call Donnie. Listen to these. He's free advertising for your music. Sounded just like it. They were from the South. Bands like, um, you know, Foghat. They're from England. Yeah, they have an honorary doctorate. But they sure did the heck out of Pat Travers. Sounds like Southern and he's Rock. He's from Canada, right? Yeah, he's like he's Canadian. Sounds like Southern <laughs> Rock. You know? <laughs>
Well, the Atlanta Rhythm Section, bunch of session guys in Doraville Studio. Once again. Who made a band. There. Who were a bunch of badasses. There, and there is your musicianship again. You couldn't fake it down here, man. You know. It, yes, there was a punk scene and a metal scene later on, but we're not talking about that. Right. At the time, if you were going to play, you needed to play. Those guys had jazz chops. They had everything chops. Yeah, yeah they were just great all-around musicians, obviously. Very okay. good. And something you might want to cut in here, we were talking about um, how absolutely popular this stuff was. Southern rock was huge at one time. Okay, we just talked about Atlanta Rhythm Section. I've looked today. Two gold records and a platinum record. And five hit singles. I think four top ten, something, or, or so number I, 12. Well, I had no idea that stuff was that big. But I just grew up hearing it, you know. Just grew up hearing it all the time. So I, you know, damn if I know how popular, you know, Champagne Jam was. Hell, it was popular to me. <laughs> because you know? we lived and breathed it. It was nothing unusual. It's down here, you know. It was it was you heard it on the radio. The cute girl down the street that smoked Marlboros had golden platinum and, and and Atlanta rhythm section records, you know. Yeah. I think we're talking about the end of Southern Rock. Yeah. At that era of Southern Rock. I think they had the absolute last say in it. Really? And that was the song Homesick. See, I don't know that. It was a heavy song. And it, the lyrics were about an, an aged 60s kind of burnout. Sits on the A track. Listen to it many, a, many a time. You know, uh, where the green grass and hot tides so it gets snuttunk. You know, fades back in again. <laughs> you know, fades back in. I should create that. I should make make that fade out and fade in because I know exactly what you're talking about. Do you? Yeah. yeah. some of the other bands. How about tell me about Marshall Tucker? Okay, I, I'm the Marshall Tucker guy. Uh, but looking back at it, they were singles band. Um, 
I liked them because it sounded like Sam Elliott was the singer. If I could, if you could picture their the, the way the guy's voice sounded, I picture Sam Elliott. <laughs> That's a good, yeah, you they, would, wouldn't you? They were probably the most country of all of the bands. Yeah, right? definitely. Their three or four singles are, I think, phenomenal. Well, they're straight up country almost to me. I mean, I really, when when I would hear those southern rock compilations, they almost didn't fit. You know, they were so country. That's right. Once again. Good players, again, and they had. Uh, if anybody had more of a jazzy feel to them, it was them. Yeah. Why would they? Why the flute? Why would they add flute? They had the what flute. Was, go. They had what saxophone was, too, right? No. Nah. I thought he played sax occasionally. Not on stuff I heard. I, I mean, I do. But the the flute. Where did that come from? I don't, they were out of South Carolina. <laughs> singles the fire in a mountain heard in a love song heard it i mean it that's worn out michael is worn out to michael but is it you can't deny what a good song it is i i really like can't you see you know i hardly ever have ever turned that off when i hear it that's a great song yeah yeah that stuff important the fire on the mountain still is one that i that i really like that's a that's a great tune and then there's a great tune great hook and it's an incredible hook See, those guys would tell you they weren't trying to write so the rock. They were just trying to write good hit songs. Yeah, well, they, they just marketed them, themselves or was marketed to be a Southern Yeah, rock early on. Sure, Wild, Wild Eyed Southern, Southern Boys. That was, you know. Okay, all right. But you listen to that record, Big Fantasy Girl, tinges of Southern rock, but it's more of a 
pop song. To me, it was, it was hold on, like, hold on loosely. Yeah. That's not rest. That's not. That's not really. Don't really sound very southern. You got some tinges of it, but it's more of a. You know, it's oh. more of a slicker produced stuff. As as far yeah. as uh, we're back to players again. It, once again, I, I don't know these guys, but I know them because we opened for them twice. Yeah, we did, didn't we? Yeah, we sure did. Molly Hatchet. Yeah. We opened for the Somebody Something Van Zant Band one time. Yes, I mean, we, we did. Were, we did all this stuff. They were, you know, all, they they were on another go around, and we were on our first go around. So those guys could sing those harmonies live, and Jeff Carlisi was a badass guitar player. That guitar solo on Hold On Loosely is fantastic. You're gonna lose it. You're gonna lose it. There was a bunch. I we opened for somebody. Van yeah. Zandt. Uh, which one was? Well, which one is it? In um, Donnie Van Zandt. It's Donnie who's is the one that's in thirty special. Yeah. Yes. And he, like I say, he was trying not to be. He was trying not to it, emulate I, his brother. I don't think it, it was, was his show either, right? He sang some of the songs, but Carlisi sang most of them, right? Yeah. I don't know who the primary songwriters were. Jeff Carlisi. Yeah. Oak, Arkansas. <laughs> there you go, Donnie. I knew you would pull us out of it. All right. What? A, what? I know a guy who is in a Black Oak fan. Literally. He can tell you anything you want to know about it. And he'll make us listen to it. And like one time, you know, when email first started to become popular, he would send a link from YouTube and, and Michael replied, now that's just bad. <laughs> And of course, Scott loved it, you know, because he knew it was bad, but it was good bad. All right, how about um, Ozark Mountain Daredevils? Uh, well, they was that what Jackie Blue? Jackie Jackie Blue, Blue. great song.
Here's the big question. Is Texas the South? Right. Good, good one. <laughs> I think Texas is just Texas. We are pissing all kinds of people off right this minute. <laughs> yeah. All my, all my uh, listeners from Texas right now are leaning hard in, wondering what's coming next. <laughs> <laughs> you, you rip on my crazy laughter, but then you cause it. <laughs> well, so obviously we hadn't talked about ZZ Top, but you're right. I really, I truly do feel like Texas is like its own thing. It's its, it's, its own, own country. It, I it, swear it is. <laughs> I mean, if you ever was. driven through it, you'll you know. I know. Biggest, I live there. It's huge. It's big as a country. It took me ten or twelve hours to drive through it one time. No, and you, you were know. going through the short. Eight hundred miles later, I finally you know get through El Paso. Well, okay, how close to Southern Rock it is? They like the boogie. They definitely got the boogie. They got the beards. They got the beards. <laughs> Getting a couple of bands that had big singles. Uh, you uh, in your intro, Ram Jam with Black Bay. Ram Jam, which one and done, but that's one of the ultimate Southern rock jams right there. That's the greatest song, and people were pissed off about it because they thought it was racist. But it's actually an old Lead Belly song, right? Sure. And the and when that was done, they weren't thinking like that. You yeah, know? It's, I mean, that's come a cool on. last song. It's still cool. Yeah. Singer, 
You still see him around all the time. I saw him sing with Jeff Beck just last year. What was his name? What's his name? I just read about him. I just read about He's him. He's been around forever. The reason I did is because there is this coming up spring here in a month or two when they do this, but there's a Southern Rock Cruise. Mm. And it has Leonard Skinner, 38 Special, Wet Willie. Um, well, it better. <laughs> I like Street Corner Serenade. That was my favorite Wet Willie song. Wow! That was cool. I like that. I can't name a Wet Willie song. Keep um, on smiling was smile. their hit. But uh, but Street Corner Serenade was off um, Mannerisms, I think. And my brother bought that record. I remember listening to that record and going, you know, and liking that song for some reason. That was my tune I enjoyed off Wet Willie so much. <laughs> Never have seen him. I never Who, got a chance once to see again, him. I don't, you know, his North I Carolina boy from Leland. I would think he is a pretty noted fiddle player, but he can play the hell out of guitar. He started off as a studio guitar player in L.A. I, I, I was listening to an interview with him, and he said he got to meet uh, Yitzhak Perlman one time. And, uh, and he called him the, uh, he says, yes, I, you know, just, you're so amazing. I love listening to you play. I, I just played the fiddle. And said, so Zach Burleson says, man, we all just played the fiddle. <laughs> huh. That's cool. Possibly one of the greatest hit singles of all time. The Devil Went, the Devil down, went to down to Georgia. Yeah. That's Southern Rock. That Everybody knows that song. I always like when the Devil's Band plays and they play disco. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, to me it sounded almost like another brick in the wall or something. <laughs> but that was always the best part of the song. I was like rooting for the devil. The devil opened up his case and he said, I'll start this show. And fire flew from his fingertips as he rosined up his bow. And he pulled the bow across the strings and it made an evil hiss. And then a band of demons joined in and it sounded something like this. Johnny. 
He always was a good storyteller. Like we're, what, what, I can't remember the name of the tune. We talked about kicking old green teeth in the knee. You know, Ballad of the Uneasy Rider. Yes, I forgot yes, about that. it's a great tune. A great story. <laughs> my honey, my baby, don't put my love upon no shelf. She said, don't give me no lines and keep your hands to yourself. All right, so what about the Georgia Satellites? It's absolutely 100% Southern Rock, right? Yeah, and I mean... In the 80s, though. In the 80s, during like... The Georgia Satellites. You could just put that there. Georgia Satellites. Georgia Satellites. <laughs> Ron. about uh, Dixie Dregs. Wow, well, that's an odd one. Steve Morse. It's fried. It yeah. is. It's, it's got fried some southern fusion. stuff. But it's jazz, jazz fusion. Fried. Lightly fried. You know? He went on and played with Kansas for a number of years, and he played with Deep Purple as he well. He still, still plays with Deep Purple. Deep Purple. Yeah. He's played with Deep Purple longer than Richie Blackmore did. It was it was jazz fusion with a slight... It was slightly fried. Well, they, they again, you're talking about musicianship. That's what they were known for. That was their thing. And it was almost like the musicianship more than the songs. It, it was immense music. I remember, I remember seeing that record. My cousin, uh, who was way older than me, uh, being at his house one time uh, and flipping through his records. Of course, he wasn't there. I mean, he was probably 10 or, 10 or 12 years older than me. I remember seeing the Dixie Drags record and sticking it on the stereo and listening to Free Fall as a kid and going, what in the hell is this? You know, that was mind-blowing stuff. <laughs> what about uh, any newer Southern rock bands? And I mean newer as in after the 90s. Well, okay, I know I know of a drive-by truckers, and I've heard a couple songs. I, I didn't like it very much, but I understood what they were trying to do. I mean... And there's a band called My Morning Jacket. Really? Hmm. No, I've heard of them. <laughs> I didn't know that was... That's not Southern rock, is it? It, it's not, none of these I consider really Southern rock. I'll tell you who you kind of could say is Southern rock is Nashville Pussy. Wow. <laughs> Have you seen them? I mean, I, back in the day, they were at the brewery. Scary. Well, and you had Jackal. You know, Jackal, yeah. They were, you know, they, they, they held the mantle there in the early 90s come, for come, idiot, oh, you know. Man, and they, were, they were a bunch of Atlanta guys. What are we missing? Uh, I I got I got another story left over. Oh, good, good. Give us a story. All right. Uh, we opened for Molly Hatchet at the Mad Monk in the in Wilmington. And if you if you did you ever play there? Yeah, okay. Now it was the new Mad Monk, and they had it set up for. It was obviously set up for big touring bands because they had almost like a loading dock in the back. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and it opened up into this big high ceiling area, and then the the back of the stage was right there with curtains. 
you know, once the show started, it had big fluorescent lights, like a warehouse back there. And, and once the show started, they turned those off so you wouldn't see that through the, the curtains and, and the back of the stage. Of course, it would look bad. But uh, we finished playing. We packed up our crap out of the back door there. And then, uh, you know, Molly Hatchet's tour bus was pulled up right to the back. By design, you could pull right up to the back door. And uh, the place is packed. And they start, and uh, we had just finished out our loading out, and Jimmy, he's smoking a cigarette, and we're hanging out right at the door. And we're digging, listening to Molly Hatchet. You know, it's loud as hell because the back of the stage is right there. They open with Gator Country, and then they get through a couple of others. uh, And and then real early, all of a sudden, there's a drum solo. (laughs) Really, third song, you know? And about that time... A figure comes hopping down the steps and, and comes moving fast towards us. And we notice it's Danny Joe Brown. And we're like, hey, Danny, how's it going? He's like, oh, he's a nice guy. He's like, oh, nice to see you guys. But he obviously had business on the tour bus. And, and this is later, so I, you know, it wasn't rock star. I don't think there was, you know, he was going to do the lines. But I think he probably had to use the bathroom or something, you know. And he's, guys, I got to hit it. And, uh... Anyway, the drum solo goes on, and drum solo goes on, and there's still no Danny Joe Brown. He's still on the bus, and I was like, Jimmy, man, that dude's winding that solo up. Listen to that. And, it, and then about that time, he starts doing the... <laughs> which is the end of a rock drum solo. And, uh, you know, then you, you know, somebody's, let's hear it for blah, 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 blah. And about that time, Danny Joe Brown comes running off the bus, and he is in a hurry because he realizes he's missed the cue. And they're going to be sitting around. What are they going to do? You know? And he comes running past us. He, he goes flying right through the door, right past me and Jimmy. And then he goes into the darkness of the Mad Monk. And then all of a sudden, there's this ungodly, crash, bang, crash, bang, bang, boom. And you hear the poor guy, ooh, ooh. And we, and we go into the darkness, you know, and we find this body laying on the floor. He had run headlong into a folding metal chair. Oh, and he's on the ground, and we're like, man, are you all right? And he, he hops right on, you know, thanks, guys. And he runs back up on the stage, you know, and starts the next song. Starting the next song. He's got his ass whipped by a folding chair. Damn. He didn't, I will say, I, re- I remember he didn't make it to the stage as quickly as he was moving after the chair. <laughs> it was a bit of a limp there or something. You know? <laughs> Damn. I kind of feel like we did, unless we're going to do the show. So much of them is known anyway. Right, right. Okay, right. So we probably did, except one more thing. We talked about Muscle Shoals, and I, we did bring up Dwayne Allman being a session player. Let's not forget that at 24 years of age, he blew away a at his absolute peak, Eric Clapton, to the point where he just up and asked him to play on one of the most famous records of all time, Layla, who Dwayne Allman contributed huge parts of that song. Well, he's sitting there du- dueling with him. Sure. You know, uh, Eric Clapton, that blew his mind. And he got, he got on him because of that Wilson Pickett record, the Hey Jude record. That's where Eric Clapton heard that and wanted to know. I wanted to know who that guy is. Yeah, it, it, and yeah, it was one of the things I wrote down because that was that he said that was the at the time, or he just said that was the finest rock guitar solo I'd ever heard. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> 
This has been produced by Donnie Shattuck. If our rock is fried, what is Lou Reed and David Johansson and you said artisan? <laughs> <laughs>